like that. Hello, everybody, and welcome that. to it's this like Monday edition class. of the Logan Blackman <laughs> Show. And I've, I'm being 100% honest here. I almost fell into the exact same trap that I fell into last week. And if you did not listen to Wednesday's show last time, you would not understand really what I'm talking about. But last Sunday, so we record these shows a day in advance, but on Sunday last week, I got stuck in the the proverbial, uh, the, whatever you want to call it, the hole, the pit, the roadblock of just watching football all day. And here in America, football is king. Football runs everything, especially on the weekends. And the first week of the NFL is on. And I'm sorry, but it was really hard to try and find motivation to do anything. There was a lot of stuff we could have talked about on Monday, but we just didn't end up doing it because football, ah, I couldn't I couldn't pull myself away from it. And then it didn't help that you had the Packers and Vikings playing in a later slate. And I had my two friends come over that one's a Packers fan, one's a Vikings fan. So they came over, so that delayed it. I ain't going to record the first portion of the games. Come on. And then I went to Altoona for the night game, which was Cowboys-Buccaneers. It, it just was bad. It just wasn't a great look, and I apologize for that. We'll try to stay better this time. Hell, we're recording a show right now. You were listening to a show on a Monday, so you know what? Logan has has cured himself of this disease, at least for the time being. This could be coming back next weekend because the Bills are finally playing on a Sunday. I could be in a horrific mood by the time we record a show next week. But there are a lot of things to talk about today. We had some really, really fun games this weekend, and I am excited to talk about them, especially one in particular. <laughs> but before we get into anything on this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, I want to make sure that you subscribe or follow every single form of social media we have to offer here at the Logan Blackman Show. Twitter, follow me at Logan underscore Blackman. We don't have a show's Twitter account anymore. I mean, we do. You can technically follow it, but we don't use it. Then we got Instagram, Blackman Logan's my personal one. Show's account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Subscribe, like on both. And of course, you're listening to it right now. So make sure, if you're not already, subscribe to the Apple Podcast and or Spotify accounts. If you don't have an iPhone, just download Spotify so you have some sort of way to listen to the Logan Blackman Show. And if you have an iPhone, just download Spotify. You already have the Apple Podcast app. But just download Spotify so you can leave a rating on both. Leave a rating on a five stars on both. Leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Yeah. Great stuff. Great, great stuff. So Saturday was an interesting day. Saturday was a very, very interesting day. So I woke up as as per, as usual, as most people that are listening to the show have done. They've woken up on whatever day you're listening to this. You woke up ready to start your day. And Saturdays and Sundays, you wake up with a little more pep in your step because, like I said before, you got football to watch. Saturdays and Sundays hit really differently in the fall than they do in the summer. The summer, it's just another day. It's hot. You got nothing really to look forward to in regards to sports watching. You can do a, you'll do a lot more stuff, sure, but there's no football. So it's not as exciting. So then when you wake up on a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever day, a Thursday, a Monday, and you're just ready to start off some football, it just gives you that extra little motivation for the day. And then once you know your game that you are waiting for is at the end of the day, okay, that kind of makes the day drag a little bit longer. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When you're sitting here on a Sunday, like I am, and knowing your team for the NFL does not play today, it makes the day go by really, really slow. So yesterday, when I was watching college football, there were some interesting games here and there. I watched Purdue versus Syracuse, which was an awesome game. 
I picked that game on Cole and Company. I picked Syracuse to win. They won the last seven seconds of the game. Aiden O'Connell threw a really, really bad pick six, which didn't seal the game because Purdue ended up going down the field later and scoring a touchdown that they thought they won the game. But Garrett Schrader, beautiful lofted pass to the pylon. Touchdown Syracuse with seven seconds left to get the dub. It was awesome. Purdue missed a field goal before that as well. Like the first, the first slate of games, other than that one, uh, were not amazing. They weren't amazing. Like you look at some of the early games, you had Georgia, South Carolina. Some people actually sat there with their brains and said, you know what? I like Shane Beamer. I like Spencer Rattler. I think they can beat Georgia when they just got shit stomped by Arkansas, who just barely beat Missouri State. And that's no disrespect to Arkansas. I don't want to sound disrespectful to Arkansas. They're a good football team. Missouri State, in their own right, though they're an FCS school, are a good football team. Should Arkansas have any issues normally with Missouri State? No. But Bobby Petrino was on a revenge game that day. The fighting Bobby Petrinos and the Missouri State Bears were down in Arkansas. Took it to them early, but Arkansas came back and won the game. But I don't know why people look at Georgia anymore and go like, man, I think that I'm going to predict an upset today. And why would that upset? And I saw this a lot. This wasn't just one person that said this. I saw South Carolina beating Georgia on quite a bit of social media on Saturday, and it surprised the hell out of me. I don't remember what the line was for this game, but whatever it was, uh, Georgia covered it 48-7, dominating performance. Stetson Bennett had a really good game. Brock Bowers had himself a fantastic game, 121 yards, two touchdowns. I think it was a record for a tight end in a game or something. At least that's what I thought I heard them say. I was trying not to pay attention too much to that game. Then we had Oklahoma-Nebraska. This was another one. This was another one. Scott Frost just got fired. Nebraska hires the first black coach. And they're not even just football. The entire program's history, regardless of sport. So everybody's going to go. They're going to use that motivation to... Maybe not win, but they're going to be really competitive. Because one thing Scott Frost was mo- was really known for at Nebraska was losing games by one score. Because remember what Nebraska said last year, man, if we won the games that we didn't win last year, we would have gone undefeated. Remember that? That was pretty fun. Man, if we just had one thing go differently. Yeah, you could say that about every single game ever. But this one, uh, they didn't win by, they didn't lose by one score. No, 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 they did not lose by one score. They lost by a lot of scores. The game started off really well for Nebraska. They got up 7-0 very early. Oklahoma didn't look good great, or didn't look good early is what I meant. <laughs> but Dylan Gabriel woke up. Eric Gray played really well as well. Dylan Gabriel had a really nice touchdown run in the game. Nice 61 tutty for the former UCF quarterback. And Oklahoma might not be looked at the same as what they have in past years when we're talking about teams that are guaranteed to go to the college football playoff. But Oklahoma still are still a damn good team, and they still run the Big 12. I know Nebraska's not a Big 12 team anymore, but good Lord. Oklahoma is still good. Dylan Gabriel's a good quarterback, so I, yeah, that one surprised me. On college game day, there were some people that picked Nebraska in that. Yeah, Oklahoma demolished them. They start, again, started off slow, but they demolished them in the end. Kentucky, Youngstown State, 31-0. Kentucky, you know, should have a game like that. Should have a fairly easy game like that. And what other games were on the early slate? Was Georgia Tech Ole Miss? No, Georgia Tech Ole Miss. No, that was one of the earlier games. That was one of the early games. But either way, 42 nothing that one, too. I don't remember what the line was that one there, but, man, I, I feel kind of bad for Jeff Sims. I do feel kind of bad for Jeff Sims, the quarterback for Georgia Tech. He ain't got a lot of help. We had UConn and Michigan, which everybody saw that one coming a mile away. 59 nothing was the final score there. J.J. McCarthy in his first time as the full-time guaranteed starter. I know he started last week for Michigan, but this time he is the guy. 
He's there's no more competition. He is the guy. 15-18, 2-14, great game for JJ McCarthy, but again, as you'd expect against the team the caliber of a of UConn, of UConn. What other games were early? There is not a lot of great games early. There were some upsets like there were last week. There was like South Alabama, UCLA. That was a close, close game. UCLA won by one point. Indiana beat Western Michigan by three points in overtime. We already talked about uh, Arkansas versus Missouri State. Cincinnati struggled against Miami, Ohio early in that game. We had Southern Illinois beating Northwestern. Like there was a lot of very, very, very weird game. We saw Penn State obliterate Auburn, which I don't know if that was too surprising. Auburn's got no semblance of an offense. They got Tank Bigsby, and that's literally it. TJ Finley ain't it. I don't know who their other quarterback was. I don't know if Zach Calzada played or not, but they they ain't very good. They ain't very good. But, man, there's <laughs> there are some struggles watching the early portion of the games. And I didn't see a, a lot of the later games, like the mid-afternoon games. I was following them along with my phone, but I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of them. But the nightcap, the game everybody was waiting for. Again, oh, Iowa State won too. Iowa State unsurprisingly dominated against Ohio. I think everybody knew that one. There's not a lot to talk about that one. But Iowa, oh my goodness. We saw an offensive display that has not been shown in like a year. And I'm not being, I'm not joking. This is probably the best they've looked in a year. And they won 27 to nothing. The game took seven hours, ended at 1.40 in the morning. There was like a hundred rain del- or not rain delays, lightning delays, and I've been through a lightning delay before. Remember last year in the regular season we had the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Buffalo Bills? Remember that game? When the Bills came into Kansas City and just ran, destroyed the Chiefs. It was Patrick Mahomes' biggest loss to date. The Bills beat him by 18 points in Arrowhead. There was a long-ass lightning delay, and during those lightning delays... It doesn't really matter how good the game is. I know it somewhat matters to like it matters to a certain extent. Like if the game's bad, you're more likely to go, okay, you last screw this, let's just go. But if the game's good, you're questioning a little bit more. But when the delay gets longer and longer and the concession stands close and all that stuff, it really makes you question your loyalties at that point. So I credit all the Iowa fans that stuck that baby out, that stayed there. I had a friend that was at the Iowa game as well. I think he said they left after the third rain delay or third lightning delay, and I don't blame him at all. When the Bills and Chiefs were in their lightning delay, I was contemplating everything. I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable that entire time. I had a massive headache. <laughs> and you just don't want that stuff to happen. You don't want your game to get, get delayed. You want it to go as normally as possible. You don't want there to be any issues at all. And when there is an issue, it makes the entire experience terrible. Absolutely terrible. I do not want to experience that again. And there was part of me, well, not part of me, a lot of me wanted to go to this game on Saturday. Because as I've said before, my friend Kevin is from from Car City, Nevada. Nevada Wolfpack fan. So I was like, I want to throw him to the Wolves and send him to Kinnick Stadium wearing the Nevada shirt. And I've said this before. If you've never been to Kinnick Stadium for a game and you are rocking... Let's just say this. If you've never been there before, I would not recommend wearing the visiting team's colors under any circumstance. I don't care if it's Iowa State. I don't care if it's Michigan. I don't care if it's freaking, I don't know, Miami, Ohio. I don't care who it is. Montana. It could be literally anybody. You're going to get yelled at. You're going to get verbally abused. It's going to be a not fun experience for you. So I wanted to subject my friend Kevin to the life of a visiting fan of Iowa but he did not want to go, and that, like, he wanted to have a watch party, and I was perfectly fine with that. 
I was perfectly fine with having a watch party. And we did, and then once the rain delays started happening, I keep saying rain delays, the lightning delays started happening, the more and more I was thankful that, man, thank you, Kevin, for not making me not, not letting me buy tickets to this game. Because I wanted to go, but after seeing all the lightning delays, I am very, very happy we did not end up going. And I believe, I saw, well, I saw this on Twitter, so I don't want to act like I'm coming up with this original content right now. But I saw this, and it was, God didn't know how to react with uh, Iowa's offense being the way it was. And I'm not sitting here and saying Iowa's offense was anything spectacular. You played a defense that gives up 400 yards a game. Like, this is a defense you should really have no issues with. Iowa has a top 10 defense in college football. Nevada does not. Nevada's offense is all right at best. They have some nice pieces, and they're not the same team they were last year, but they do have some decent pieces there. And Iowa, as we've known, is the worst offense of college football, statistically. It's not even, again, not even hyperbole. That is the worst offense of all college football. So when you're looking at a game like that, and you see the stoppable force meets the movable object, which force is going to carry out? And in this situation, it was the team that had more talent. No offense to Nevada, but that's just what it is. Iowa's in a bigger conference. They have more of a budget for recruiting, and they ended up winning the game, 27-0. Now, was it a crisp, clean 27-0? No, no. <laughs> it was not. The only way Iowa can score any points whatsoever is if they start in plus territory, and they did that on a couple occasions thanks to Torrey Taylor punting the ball. But Petrus, we'll give him a round of applause here through his first touchdown of the season. So now in his last 10 games, he has two touchdowns and nine interceptions. So you know what? Improvement is what we are looking for here. And he, imp he improved to a certain extent. This game it was 20 to 7, 20 to nothing in the fourth quarter, going into the fourth quarter. Iowa not covering. And then we get Caleb Johnson touchdown to end the game out. Get Iowa 27 nothing win. So they cover the spread. They did not cover the over-under. If anybody bet the over in any Iowa game ever this year, I will slap you. My friend Brady bet the over for the Iowa State game last week, which was like, I think, 44. I wanted to slap him right there and there. He's an Iowa State fan. Why would you bet that? He didn't have any confidence going into the game either. I don't think any Iowa or Iowa State fans were relatively confident going into that game last week. So why he bet the over after watching what Iowa did against South Dakota State? I don't know why he would have thought that both teams, because Iowa can't move the ball on offense, and Iowa's defense is going to stop almost everybody. In total, Iowa's defense has given up 13 points in three games. That's impressive. That is very, very impressive. They've even scored, what, four points? Which is also very impressive. But that also goes down to the punt unit as well. But, man, 27 nothing. you want to look at this and go like, oh, this is a step in the right direction, but I don't know if it is. This game wasn't anything special. In a game like this where the defense gives up 400 yards a game, you're kind of expecting, I don't know, just good stuff. We didn't get that. Sure, they won 27-0. They pitched a shutout. That's all you can really ask for in this situation. You've got a shutout. But they still don't look good. They didn't look good in this game. They haven't looked good all year. Petrus still can't hit anybody. He couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Like He went 14-26, 175, and a touchdown. That's not good. I mean, the touchdown's fine, but I do like the fact that Iowa ran it 35 times. I do like that. They ran it more than they passed it which I really did enjoy. Caleb Johnson had a really good game. Gavin Williams had 57 yards on the ground as well. But, man, you had Reganey, you had Keegan Johnson back. Arlen Bruce scored the touchdown for Iowa. It's just not – like, in this game, 
you want you want to watch all games with like intensity. You want to watch and go like, oh man, I'm ready for this game. I am ready. And I was just there. Maybe this is bad on my part, but I was just there to have a good time. I knew I well. I like to say I knew, like I was fully confident that I would win this game. I was confident enough in Iowa to win this game where I wasn't really worried going into the game, if that makes any sense. Like, I was, I went into the game wearing a, a shirt that said, In Petrus We Trust. If you want to know my levels of seriousness going into this game, that was it. Hy-Vee, for whatever reason, sells shirts that say, In Petrus We Trust. So I copped one of those on Friday night before I went to call Cedar Falls for Sankity Centennial. Which Cedar Falls lost 24 to 28 to 14, tough loss for Cedar Falls. It was like uh, it was like watching Iowa's offense that day. But I went to High V to get that shirt, and you feel shame buying it because you know your intentions when you're buying something like that. I don't think there's a single person out there that is currently wearing that shirt unironically. If you are, I'm sorry for you. But people, when you see someone in that shirt, m- most people's reactions like, "What the hell is that dude wearing?" I think I think this shirt will come to rest the same way like Buffalo Bills fans look at people like wearing JP Lossman jerseys or Trent Edwards jerseys or uh, Nathan Peterman jerseys. Like at the time when he's playing, you're like, why the hell did you buy that? But years go by and you're like, oh, that's actually kind of funny. <laughs> the fact they made that shirt after a season where they just got shit stomped the, by Michigan, beat up by Kentucky, and then uh, start the season with a bunch of interceptions <laughs> and no touchdowns. Grand total of, what what was the total? 14 points with one off at a touchdown at that point. Uh, could have been two, but Monty Potabon fumbled at the one-yard line against Iowa State, and Iowa State proceeded to have a 99-yard drive and win the game. But that's beside the point. When you look at those shirts, though, for the first time, if you don't know that person, you're not going to think, ah, oh, that's funny. That's funny. You're going to go, what the hell? Why are you rocking a shirt that says Impeachers We Trust? You just watched the game. Like, I sent a picture to my friend Tom, who we brought up on the show before, and he goes, I hope you bought. The, I hope they gave that to you for free. And I was like, no, I paid top, top dollar for this shirt. Top dollar. It was like 18 bucks or something. And it was tucked away in the back. I went to Hy-Vee the other day to find it because one of my friends sent it to me. And I went to go look for it. I couldn't find it. So I had to go back once I heard where they actually were. And oh, boy. I, <laughs> and it was kind of funny because since I was wearing that shirt, so we went to Grinnell to watch the game. Then we came back that night. I stayed the stayed at my friend's house in Altoona, our apartment in Altoona. We drove together to to the their place. My cousin and sister were at my apartment, so I had my keys. So I just stayed at Zach and Lexi's place in Altoona. That next morning, you know, you wake up, you go and get McDonald's for breakfast. You go back home, but I'm starting to get like, man, I could kind of use an orange juice right now. I'm heading back to my apartment. I'm driving there. I'm like, I could use an orange juice. So I go to Quickstar. I live right next to a Quickstar. And I go in, and I completely forget what shirt I'm wearing. And my mind goes to, oh, these people won't think I'm ironic right now. These people are thinking I'm wearing this shirt completely unironic. And, oh, boy, I'm rocking my Impeachers We Trust shirt because Iowa just won 27 to nothing against Nevada. Oh, my. So the entire time, I couldn't, like, walk in and, like, just have my arms across my chest. Because the letters are high. It's not, like, all across the shirt. It's all, like, on the chest area. So I'm just pretending. Well, I'm not pretending I am doing it. But, like, I'm scratching my chest, hoping that no one sees it. And then I forget it has a big freaking Petrus number seven on the back of it. So if the text in the front wasn't enough, 
the the text on the back reminded people I can't do anything about that one unless I'm wearing a backpack. And I didn't want to put my sweatshirt back on. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to go into the store and then go, oh crap, look what I'm wearing. Walk out and come back in a sweatshirt. People are going to stop raising questions, start raising questions. But that's one of those shirts you got to be careful who you're around. I don't think I could ever wear that shirt in Kinnick Stadium. I don't think I'll ever be able to wear that shirt in Kinnick Stadium. Because like the away fan that goes there, I will get bullied and verbally abused while wearing a shirt that is Hawkeye colors for a Hawkeye quarterback. But it's not just any Hawkeye quarterback. It is the worst quarterback in Iowa history. So you got to look at it like that and go, hmm, I can wear this around a group of friends that know my intentions. I'm only wearing this shirt around friends. I will never go out wearing this shirt, potentially. Potentially. I can be coerced into it. Like, I went to a UNI-Iowa State game in high school. My friend Brady just hit a 52-yard game winner against against Ankeny in high school. So we went to celebrate. We went to Iowa State UNI. He texted me the next morning, and we went to Iowa State UNI. What he texted me before the game said, do not, you can wear whatever you want, just don't wear the Beat State shirt. So, my mind, I was never going to wear the Beat State shirt until he texted me not to wear the Beat State shirt. And then now I'm thinking, I have to wear the Beat State shirt. So, if anybody, if I was going to an Iowa game, my initial thought process is not going to be, oh, I got to rock the In Peaches We Trust shirt. I'm not, that's my, not my initial thought process. But if someone goes, please don't wear that shirt. Just for lols and LMFAOs and things like that, I might just be, I just might be dumb enough to wear it. And I've been to Kinnick Stadium numerous times. I know the the trials and tribulations of away fans. I know what it takes to survive a game at Kinnick Stadium. Notably, mostly because I was born a Hawkeye fan. <laughs> but, man, I cannot, I could not wear that shirt. I have a sweatshirt on. And hopefully the game doesn't get too hot <laughs> so I don't take off the sweatshirt. I might wear it underneath the sweatshirt. That might be the case, but I won't wear it. Like, Iowa is 1-0 since I've had the shirt. And Peters has thrown more touchdowns in that game with the shirt than he has the past however many games without the shirt. So I think this is, uh, I think that people can understand this and go, oh, why the hell are you wearing a Peters We Trust shirt? He sucks. Well, I go, well, yes, sir or ma'am. I am wearing this shirt because Spencer Peters threw a touchdown when I wore the shirt. Oh, I understand, good sir. We dap each other up and we face the other direction. And just watch a beautiful offensive display by the Iowa Hawkeyes. But <laughs> Peach still isn't good. <laughs> like you watch a game like this, you're expected to see something. You didn't see anything. He still stinks. I, I, it's just they beat Nevada. No offense to Nevada, but Iowa should never have an issue with this. Iowa should not need to score a touchdown in the fourth quarter to cover against Nevada. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If this was last year's Nevada team with Strong, Romeo Dubs, Cole Turner, all those guys, sure. This is not. They played a new quarterback in this game, Shane Illingworth. Came into the game as a starter. I didn't even know who he was. I thought Cox was going to be the starter. Cox came in for one play and ran the ball for two yards. It was never in the rest of the game. <laughs> this is really confusing. And Illingworth's big, too. I don't know what they're doing, like, what their recruiting status is for quarterbacks. It's kind of like you and I and off to lineman. You had to be the size of a tree, a red oak, to play off the line at UNI. You had to be the size of a red oak to play quarterback at Nevada. You had Carson Strong. Now you got Shane Illingworth, who's 6'6". And you got Nate Cox, who's 6'9", with the last name Cox. Like, I've said this before, if my last name was Cox, and I was somewhere around, like, if I was 6'7", like, those heights that they give on their on their rosters are not accurate. It's not their actual height. It's what height the players tell them. Height and weight is what the players tell them. If I was around 6'9", or close enough to where it wouldn't be seen as 
insane to go, yeah, he's not 6'9". I would be 6'9". My last name's Cox. Why would I not have 6'9"? I'm really surprised, though, that he's not number 11 or number 1 or something like that. Illingworth is number 1. So I don't I don't know why that's a, why why 16 is the number. I don't know. But it's like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is not 6 foot 9, but he always said he liked the sound of a 6 foot 9 small forward. Kevin Durant's like 7 foot easily. He ain't no 6 foot 9. <laughs> I I remember when those first those rumors kept getting out that Kevin Durant's taller than 6'9. There was a I think he was next to DeMarcus Cousins who's listed at like 6'11 and Kevin Durant towers over him. So I think it was one of those pictures and I I do remember Kevin Durant See, I remember seeing. I don't remember him talking to me about this, but I remember seeing something that Kevin Durant's like, "Yeah, I like the sound of a six foot nine small forward." So that's what he listed himself as. He ain't actually six foot nine. He's seven foot tall. He's a freaking lengthy monster. So if I can get away with it, like if you're taller than six nine, yeah, you can get away with it. But you can't be six five and list yourself at six nine. You can't do that. That's ridiculous. But if you're seven foot and you want to go six nine, yeah, that's fine. If you're six foot seven. You can list yourself at six nine. I don't care, especially if your last name's Cox. You have that. You have that. Uh, that freedom, I guess you could say. But in regards to the game in general, Iowa's defense looked really good, as per uh, the punt unit was really good, as per offense. They scored three touchdowns. Two of them running. One was from fifty five yards out. Petrus didn't look good. As again, that's just that's just trip of the trade. Now it's just trip of the trade. Does Iowa make a change next week? It's going to be hard because Iowa's going into a game fresh off a 27-0 win. So it's going to be hard for – well, it's not going to be hard. If if a fan was a coach, you would have a different outcome here. But it's going to be hard – I say hard. I I don't know if that's the right word here. I I guess it's going to be harder to justify benching Petrus after a 27-0 win than it would have been after they scored a combined 14 points in their two games with only one touchdown. I think that would, this is a little bit different. Now it makes things a little bit more difficult. I think Petrus' chance of starting for Iowa going forward have risen from about 85% to about 90%. Because I do think there's some, you know, variable way that Peters can get benched. Do I think it's likely? Not really. And you're going in against a 3-0 Rutgers team who's had a couple of close games this year, but against a decent Temple team, a decent Boston College team, Iowa opens as a seven and a half point favorite. Do I agree with that? I don't know. The over/under is thirty-five and a half. They're going to Rutgers again until Iowa can show somewhat consistency. Like they weren't consistent yesterday. They weren't consistent at all yesterday. They just happened to play an inferior opponent with less talent. That happens. Like if this was a normal year, you would expect an Iowa team to obliterate a team like Nevada, like this year's Nevada team. Again, there's no disrespect about it. That's just how the facts work. But until Iowa can look semi-competent on offense, never, ever bet the over on an Iowa game. Never, ever. And I don't know, my papa, I was with, I ate lunch with my papa today, and I tried to, he asked me what I thought Iowa's record was, and I, I'm going to, I haven't really thought about this since the start of the season. I haven't really gone through, it's the first time I've been asked, what do I think Iowa's record will be this season? Now that I've seen three games, what do I think it will be? So I think at the start of the year we were teetering around like eight and four, nine and three, somewhere around there. I think the 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 game we talked about that was interesting was Michigan because if it was a night game at Kinnick, it could have been different. It could have been a win, but it's a day game. It's probably a loss. I think that's just a guaranteed loss now. JJ McCarthy is way better, or not way better, but he's better and gives you more of a threat than what Cade McNamara did. And Iowa got torched by Cade McNamara last year. So 
J.J. McCarthy scares me a little bit more. I know Kinnick's a very tough place to play, especially at night. So if this is a night game, it'd be Iowa's third night game in a row, which would be very interesting if that happens because Rutgers takes place at 6 o'clock on Saturday, FS1. So very interesting stuff there. But the rest of the seasons, they're 2-1 and one right now. Again, as we've talked about before, let's just go over the, the recap of the season. So they scored seven points against South Dakota State. Two safeties and a field goal. They missed a field goal earlier in the game as well. They benched Blum, the kicker, who missed the field goal from that game. They allowed a field goal as well, but Iowa's defense played very well. Iowa State, they lost 10-7. Again, this is what we talked about before. They blocked two punts in that game. Monty Potabon fumbled at the one-yard line. Iowa State drove down the field, scored a 90, on a 99-yard drive. Great way to seal out a rivalry win there for Iowa State. And then you go against Nevada, and you win 27-0. Ugly game, just all the way around, just weather, delay. I mean, seven-hour game. That's long. That's long. My friend John Leo who I did a show up with up did a show with up in Cedar Falls. He does the broadcast with a student radio station up at Iowa. Good lord. I give him, Gary Dolphin, all the announcers for that game a shit ton of credit. Trying to talk for that long, trying to fill in different segments while going over a seven hour game. Give I give him all the credit in the world. All the credit in the world. But the rest of the season at Rutgers, again we already talked about Rutgers are three and zero. had a couple close wins against Temple and Boston College. It's at Rutgers. I don't think normally Iowa should have an issue here. I really don't, but man, both defenses are all right. They're all right defensively, Rutgers. Offensively, they're a lot better than Iowa. They're really good running the ball, which is Iowa's strong point. Rutgers' strong point as well. So I don't know. Rutgers averages 227 yards a game on the ground. Against Temple last week, what they do against Temple? They had 142 yards on the ground. They only threw the ball 17 times to 41 rushes. They spread the ball around a lot. In the running game, I don't think Iowa should lose to Rutgers. I really have a hard time saying Iowa's going to lose to Rutgers. I know they, they've sucked against Rutgers before. They, I remember when they beat Michigan in the when Michigan, when Wilton Spate was their starting quarterback, when they beat him at Kinnick. Rutgers, they beat Rutgers 14-7. And then they went to go play Michigan, and Michigan beat Rutgers earlier in that season, 77-0. So confidence going to the Michigan game that year was all at all-time low, especially when you saw Iowa get obliterated by Penn State the week before. Or two weeks. I don't remember if there was a bye week in there. I feel like there might have been. But Michigan beat Penn State before, too. So there was no confidence. I've seen Iowa play really bad against Rutgers. I've seen them play decent against Rutgers. This one, I don't think they'll play good, but I think they can win. So they're 3-1 and one there. They're losing to Michigan. That's the easy one. So they're 3-2. and two. Illinois at Illinois. Illinois is not particularly the toughest place to play. <laughs> not, not normally, anyways. They had a tough loss to Indiana. They did beat Virginia. But like we've talked about before. If you neutralize Brennan Armstrong, Virginia is nothing. And Brennan Armstrong had 180 yards, two touchdowns, and negative nine yards rushing. So when you neutralize their best player, their really their only player, you can beat Virginia. Because our defense is not very good. And that's what happened in this game. And Illinois ended up winning 24-3. Against Iowa, when's the last time Iowa beat or lost to Illinois? I don't really remember. Because they beat them last year. Then they were on they were on the road at Illinois. Then they won the year before, 2020. Then they won in 2019. 2018, they won 63 to nothing. 2017, they won 45-16. 2016, they won 28 nothing. 2015, won 29-20. 2014, 30 to 14, they won. 2013, didn't play them. 2012. Didn't play him. 2011. Come on. Didn't play him. 2010. 
Jeez, didn't, didn't play them. 2009, did not play them. 2008, lost 27-24. So the last time they lost to Illinois was <laughs> Jake Christensen's last year playing at Iowa before he transferred to Eastern Illinois. This was Ricky Stanzi's first year as a starter. Ricky Stanzi threw two interceptions in the game. Sean Green had over 100 yards rushing, which we could have said that about every game he ran for 100 yards every game. Andy Brodell had 81 yards receiving. Alan Reisner, 36 yards. Daryl Johnson, Coolianos, DJK. Trey Strauss was in on it. Brandon Myers. And then Juice Williams. Juice Williams was a dog. That dude was a beast at Illinois. Aurelius Ben was good in college as well. Not necessarily that great in the NFL. Michael LeSure there as well. But yeah, Juice Williams was a beast. I remember when Illinois went to the Rose Bowl before they got you know blasted by USC? They went 9-4, and four, went to the Rose Bowl. That was awesome. I think everybody was an Illinois fan that year. I think everybody was. They wanted to see Illinois in the Rose Bowl. It was just cool. It was just a cool thing. Bradley Fletcher and Romari Spivet had interceptions in that game. But yeah, the last time they beat Iowa was this game when Stan... Like, this was Jake Christian's last year as a starter at Iowa. He played against Maine, and he played against Pitt. I believe he played against Florida International as well. Yeah, he played against Florida International. Mar Marvin McNutt was a quarterback at that time. <laughs> Marvin McNutt went one for three in that game with an interception. Not great. Why he moved to wide receiver and became one of the greatest Iowa receivers of all time. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so the last time they lost to Illinois was 2008. Do I want that to be the same thing this time around? Not necessarily. Do I think it could happen? Yeah, I think it could happen. You look at what Illinois has on offense. I do like Tommy DeVito transferred from Syracuse. He's an all right quarterback. I I'm not I'm gonna say Iowa somehow beats Illinois. Illinois is favored in that game at this point. And then they're gonna get shit stunned by Ohio State. Absolutely annihilated. I don't care. So what? They're one, two, three, four, and three at this point, losing to Iowa State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Then you got Northwestern, who just lost to Southern Illinois. But Northwestern's always been one of Iowa's bogey teams. For whatever reason. Northwestern always feel is an always is always a scary game, but I don't think Iowa should lose to Northwestern this time. I don't think they'll lose to Northwestern. So you're sitting at five and three. They'll lose to Purdue. They'll lose to Wisconsin. So there's five and five. And then Minnesota at Minnesota. This is another one where a team has not beaten them in a very very long time, very long time. But I think Minnesota beats them this time around. So I think we're going to Iowa with six and six. So, yeah, 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five is where I'm teetering around for Iowa at this point. It's just so hard to predict because they're so bad offensively, you don't think that this team can actually beat anybody. It's so weird to think like this, but I'm questioning if they could beat Rutgers in Illinois. That's how bad this offense is. I'm literally sitting here and questioning if they can beat Rutgers in Illinois. They're on the road. I understand that. The Big Ten's a tough conference, but really, I should not be sitting here actually pondering if Iowa can beat Rutgers and Illinois. I really should not be saying that. And maybe that's bad on me. Maybe other Iowa fans are like, oh, they're guaranteed to beat those two schools. But those are the same Iowa fans that really have no issues and they're like, oh, this offense got us 10 wins and the Big Ten championship appearance, though, why change it? One of those people. But that's whatever. So, yeah, 6-6 six and six or 7-5, and five, uh, yeah. I'm leaning more towards 6-6. Six and six. I think Iowa might lose one of those random games in there that they should never lose to. Because I didn't think they'd score only seven points against South Dakota State. I respect South Dakota State a lot. 
We said Iowa wouldn't cover in that game either. But I didn't think it'd be like that. I didn't think it'd be like that. Ugh. I mean, this defense is good enough to beat anybody. This defense is good enough to beat anybody. And I saw this post on Twitter. It said, you can add one additional year of eligibility for a former Hawkeye to play this season who you're taking. And I would like to add to this, because it doesn't say this, what is basically insinuating is that these players, like, it's not it's not clarifying if they're this age or, like, their current age now or when they were playing college. So, like, you're looking at Tim Dwight, who's listed on here. Tim Dwight's in his 40s. I don't want current Tim Dwight playing for Iowa. That won't make any difference. So you can add one additional year of eligibility to a former Hawkeye to play this season in their athletic prime. I would like to add that. In their athletic prime. And they had four people here. It was Stanzi, Sean Green, Tim Dwight, and Drew Tate. I'm taking Tate. I'm taking Drew Tate. We've talked about this before. I've seen people boo Drew Tate for Jake Christensen. So Drew Tate can take the abuse. Drew Tate is up there as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in the history of Iowa football. I would say he's probably number two, right behind Chuck Long. Because then you have arguments like Ricky Stanzi, Brad Banks. I think C.J. Beathard's got to be mentioned up there a little bit as well. There's other players in there, but we're, those are just the five that I can think of at the top of my head right now. But I think what separates Stanzi from Tate, or Tate from Stanzi, is his ability to move. Stanzi's bigger than Drew Tate. Drew Tate was not a big guy. Drew Tate was listed at six foot. I don't know if he was actually six foot. I don't think he was six foot. But that dude was a dog. That dude was an absolute dog. He could move around better than a lot of quarterbacks Iowa's had. I wouldn't say he's not like Brad Banks or anything, but I he's more athletic than Stanzi, Nate Stanley, Rudock, Petrus, all these immobile, quote-unquote immobile quarterbacks, Vandenberg. Tate could move. Tate was tough. And in this type of Iowa season, you need a quarterback that can move. You need a quarterback that is tough. And that's what Drew Tate is, or what Drew Tate was. And if he's in his athletic prime, I would love him back on this Iowa team. Drew Tate, if you're my age, is the greatest football player of all time. Like, if you were an Iowa fan that was born somewhere around where I was, let's give it a five-year gap, 95 to 2000. Let's do that. Drew Tate was God. Every Iowa kid that was an Iowa Hawkeye fan, because I shouldn't say every Iowa kid, because there are Iowa State fans in there as well, and other people like other teams out there as well, so they're not all Iowa fans. But if you were an Iowa fan that grew up or was born around 95 to 2000, Drew Tate is the greatest player of all time. You wanted to be Drew Tate. Everybody wanted to be Drew Tate. Everybody. Like, I love Drew Tate. I wanted to be Drew Tate when I was a kid. I had a, my Grandpa Roger maybe a custom Drew Tate jersey. Like, Drew Tate was God. And I would love to have a guy like that back at Iowa. He's that mental toughness that you need at Iowa. Tough SOB, can move around, can make the off-balance throws and all that. That's the type of quarterback this current Iowa team needs, and I would love to see that. I would absolutely love to see that. And this has been popping up, moving off from Iowa for a little bit. I think. I think we're done with Iowa for at least the time being. But this has been something that's been popping off recently as well. So the latest coaches poll came out, and I always find this interesting when people bitch and moan about this because I don't think they understand how this works. So, Michigan State, this is the one that everybody's talking about. Michigan State just got beat by Washington, who was unranked last week, and to my knowledge, was not receiving any vote. Was the AP poll out as well? Hold on. Okay, 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 okay. But 
people were posting this on Twitter about the ranking system. The coaches poll, I've never liked anyways, but this is something they had Michigan State uh, in at number 21 and Washington, who just beat them by double digits at 24. I understand where people are coming from when they're complaining about this. Do I think Washington... I need to figure out how I want to word this. Because Washington beat them really good. Washington came in at number 18 on the latest AP poll. Michigan State fell out of the top 25 completely. I was surprised, actually, when I saw them at number 11. I didn't even realize they were at number 11 in the country. But they dropped from number 11, or number number 10, or number 9 in the coaches' poll. For whatever reason, they were number 9 in the coaches' poll. And uh, they dropped they dropped at number 21. Washington came up to 24. Do I think Washington should be ranked higher in Michigan State in this scenario? Yes. But there is caveats to this. People complain about this a lot. And I would look at it like this. Like, just because you beat a team does not mean automatically you are going to be ranked higher than them. It's basically like, oh, this, like, like, um, I'm trying to think of an example here. Like, Iowa somehow beats Ohio State. That does not make Iowa a better team than Ohio State. They're better on the day, but in general, Iowa is not better than Ohio State. Iowa should not jump Ohio State in the rankings just because they beat them. Appalachian State should not rotate spots with Texas A&M after giving, 100, giving them 1.5 mil or something like that to play them and lose or play them and win. I don't think Appalachian State, realistically, should jump Texas A&M in the rankings just because they beat them one time. I understand why people can get somewhat upset around this when their team doesn't get ranked higher than the team they just beat, but you got to understand where they're coming from the ranking. One team's coming from unranked, and a team's falling from 11 or 10 or 9, wherever they were in the coaches' poll. Now, I'm surprised Michigan State was ranked that high to begin with, so I, I would just like to say that one there as well. But just because a team won a one-off game does not make them ultimately a better team. That does not mean they should be ranked higher. I've talked with people about this before, about like, oh, Iowa won this game. They should be. That means they should switch places. You beat the number one team in the country, you are now the number one team in the country. This isn't fighting. This isn't fighting. You don't, a guy can't come, you don't have a Rocky situation where Rocky beats Apollo Creed and Rocky's now the heavyweight champion of the world. That's not how this works. If Iowa somehow and some by the glory of God beats Ohio State, that does not mean Iowa is now whatever Ohio State we ranked at the time. They're third right now. That does not mean they're the third best team in the country. That's not how this works. That is not how this works. I'm sorry to tell you, that's not how this works. I understand to a certain extent why people get upset about it, but come on, you have to understand how rankings work to a certain extent. Now, in the latest AP Top 25, nothing really changed in the top 10. Kentucky jumped Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State moved down one spot. They moved to nine. Kentucky moved to number eight. Arkansas sits at number 10, which I find they came back and won by double digits, so it's fair, I guess. If they if they won by a closer margin, I think you would have seen them fall a little bit. At least a little bit. Like, we saw a few teams fall in the rankings this week, but uh, Miami fell 12 spots for losing to Texas A&M by, what, 8? 12 spots? For losing by 8 on the road to Texas A&M? That's a little, that's a little crazy. They dropped the most out of every single team in college football. They were ranked around the same spot BYU was. And BYU only dropped seven after getting blasted 41-20 at Oregon. Why did BYU only drop seven spots to Miami's 12? That's confusing to me. 
I understand BYU beat Baylor the week before, but that doesn't count in this week's rankings because it's all about who they lost to. But 12 spots for losing to AM. I understand they lost to, to Appalachian State, but that's a tough, that's a 100 plus thousand seat stadium. You're going on the road. You lose by eight. You drop 12 spots. 12? AM was still in the top 25. They were, they were ranked 24th when they lost. It was confused. That is kind of confusing. And Oregon moving up 10 spots. Oregon moved up 10. BYU dropped 7. Oregon got annihilated by, like, I, I don't know. I don't know how these ranking systems work anymore. Penn State moved up 8 spots for beating Auburn. I know they annihilated them, but 8 spots is a lot. But, I, the, yeah, this ranking this week is kind of weird. NGL. NGL, ladies and gentlemen. NGL. Texas dropped one spot. So they moved into the top 25 after losing to Bama and then dropped one spot after struggling against UTSA. I don't understand how that works. Someone please help me. I don't understand how that works. Wake Forest dropped two spots for having a tough game against Liberty. Florida dropped two spots for having a tough game against South Florida, which that one shocked me. I don't know how that became a thing. And that leads me into this next thing I want to talk about here. I don't know what is going on with these top quarterbacks in this draft class. Because this is the second straight week where Richardson didn't play great, Levis didn't play great, Van Dyke didn't play great, Bryce Young threw two interceptions against Louisiana Monroe. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I want it fixed. I want it fixed. Because this quarterback class is very, very good. They There are some very talented quarterbacks here. But they are not playing like it. It's borderline frustrating, and I'm not even a fan of any of these teams. I don't care about Alabama, Ohio State, Kentucky, Florida, Miami, any of these teams. BYU generally do not care about these teams. But it is kind of frustrating to watch when you see these guys that are so hyped. Like last week, we talked about Florida versus Kentucky. This was the premier, this was one of the quarterback matchups. This is a, a potential top 10 game changer here in regards to. Could Levis or Richardson go in the top 10? Richardson's coming off a very good game against Utah. Levis, not so much, but a good enough game week one. I guess I think Miami of Ohio. And then neither one of them in that game have a very good game. Kentucky ended up winning, but Levis didn't play great. And this week against Youngstown State, Levis didn't play particularly well. He completed a high percentage of passes, but he threw two interceptions. He did have over 10, he did have over one yard rush, which was nice. But Richardson, again, didn't, he didn't have a great game this week against a team that he dominated last year. USF is not a good football team. They are not good. They got absolutely shit-stomped by BYU week one, 50-21. And Florida beat them by three points at home. How did Florida go beating, from, beating Utah the way they did to beating Utah by more uh, – wait, let me, let me double-check this. Okay, how did they beat Utah by three and then beat South Florida? By three. I think Utah dropped 50 points on South Florida. South Florida is not good. Andy Richardson had only 24 yards rushing and two interceptions. Not great. Not great. And we're getting closer and closer to SEC play. Like, next week, we got Tennessee and Florida. <coughs> that is a tough game. You're going to Neyland Stadium. This is Florida's first road game of the season. And Hendon Hooker this year, unlike Richardson, unlike Levis to a certain extent, Richardson's not had a bad game all year. Or Richardson, Hendon Hooker has not had a bad game all year. He's had two games where he's had over 72% completion percentage. 
I understand there's different factors in that, but he's thrown two touchdowns in every game this season, no interceptions. Two rushing touchdowns as well. Uh, Hennon Hooker, if, if, a good game against Florida. I mean, Tennessee's in the top 10. They're number 11 in the nation right now. I love it. I mean, I don't gener- I don't really care about Tennessee. I my uncle's a Tennessee fan, and he, he gave me a Tennessee sweatshirt for Christmas one year, and I hucked it across the room because it was a joke gift. But <laughs> it doesn't hurt my feelings to see Tennessee ranked number 11. I like how this ranking – like, I know I just said this ranking system is kind of weird and how they moved around people this week, but seeing, like, <laughs> Kentucky, Arkansas, and Tennessee in the top 11 is really funny to me. Especially when Florida's 20th, Auburn's not even close to being ranked, LSU's outside of the top 25. Like, yeah, sure, we have Alabama and Georgia at number one and two. Yeah, 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 we got that. But Kentucky, Arkansas, and Tennessee, while Florida, Auburn, and LSU are, like, Florida's still in the top 25, but LSU's only received six votes, and Auburn's got shit stomped by Penn State. This is weird. This is very strange. I can't say I don't like it, though. I like USC ranked seventh. USC struggled for a certain extent against Fresno State, but that's kind of what people expected. Jake Hayner's a very talented quarterback for Fresno State, but USC's talent on offense has prevailed. But yeah, I... I <laughs> NC State's ranked 12th. It's just funny. These rankings are really funny, especially when you look at the teams who are outside. Florida State's not ranked. Just like your big-time powerhouse of big-time power football teams are outside. Kansas is receiving votes. I didn't even know that. Kansas beat Houston by double digits yesterday. That's insane. Daniels is going to get a statue outside of whatever the hell Kansas Stadium's called if he's not careful. He does this to he does <laughs> he has a great game against Houston and he beat Texas last year. He had 123 yards on the ground with two touchdowns, with 158 yards through the air, with three touchdowns, five total touchdowns, five touchdowns against Houston on the road. So his best two games in college football against Texas and Houston on the road. That is damn impressive. That's damn impressive. Conference games, too. I'm not, I know Houston's not technically a Big 12 team yet, but they will be. Houston's going to be a Big 12 team sooner rather than later. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But you're going to get a statue. Kentucky, Flor- Kentucky, Arkansas, and Tennessee are in the top 11. That's funny. That is really funny. If you don't find that funny, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to tell you. But, like, other games that we didn't really talk about yet, Ohio State, for whatever reason, this game was a night game. Toledo versus Ohio State. Ohio State dropped 77 on the on the Rockets' ass. 77. 77 points. C.J. Stroud threw five touchdowns in this game. Five touchdowns. Five. And three, two of them were Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, pff. Kyle McCord even had a touchdown. And remember that I'm old enough to remember when people wanted CJ Stroud to get benched. And I get it, it was against Toledo, but dude's a freaking baller. Dude is an absolute baller. We had Clemson beating up Louisiana Tech 48 to 20. We had, we already talked USC. Uh, Oklahoma State beat Arkansas Pine, Pine Bluff 63 to 7. Spencer Sanders had three incompletions with four passing touchdowns. Pretty damn impressive. Arkansas struggled against Missouri State, but the fighting, uh, the. Bobby Trino's revenge game was cut short, and Arkansas scored 21 points in the fourth quarter, went 31, 38 to 27. Washington beat Michigan State 39 to 28. We had AM beating Miami 17 to 9. We already talked about that to a certain extent with Tyler Van Dyke, 21 of 41, 217. Not ideal. Utah beat up on San Diego State 35-7. NC State beat Texas Tech 27 to 14. 
Baylor beat Texas Tech 42-7. We had Wake Forest beating Liberty by one point. We had Sam Hartman back last week. Sam Hartman threw three touchdowns in this game. We had Texas beating UTSA. They came back. Struggling to a certain extent in that game for Texas, but ended up winning by 21 points in that game. B. John Robinson had three touchdowns on the ground. Penn State destroyed Auburn 41-12 in Pitt. Had a bounce back game after their loss to Tennessee last week. Beat Western Michigan, a team that beat them last year, like 41 to 44 or something like that. They beat them on the road in Kalamazoo, Michigan, 34 to 13. Other games around college football that you might care about, might not care about. I don't know. Hopefully, you care about some of the games that we're going to talk about. Virginia Tech, Wofford. Virginia Tech bounces back after a loss to Old Dominion. Beats Wofford 27-7. We know we were caring about that game. We know that was the game that everybody was looking forward to this week. Coast Carolina beat Buffalo 38-26. Tough run for the Bulls. They're 0-3 right now. We already talked about Iowa State winning 43-10 against Ohio. Xavier Hutchinson, one touchdown in the game. Looks really good. Xavier Hutchinson seems unstoppable at this point. Uh, Virginia avenged their in-state rival. Virginia Tech lost. lost Virginia, Te- Virginia Tech's lost to Old Dominion as they're coming out and beating the old, are they the Monarchs? Is that their nickname? Old Dominion Monarchs? Yes, it is. The Fighting Taylor Heineke's did not have it in the tank, and they lost to Virginia, sadly, 16-14. We had Notre Dame beat Cal 24-17, and they did not look good at all. Notre Dame kind of stinks. Not going to lie, Notre Dame just kind of stinks. We had Tulane beat Kansas State. You could take the player out of Nebraska, but you can't take Nebraska out of the player. Adrian Martinez loses to Tulane at home. The Fighting J.P. Lossman's come up big. On the road against Kansas State. Oh, my goodness. We had Appalachian State winning on an insane Hail Mary play while they hosted college game day. Beat Troy 32-28. to What other games do we have here? Boise State beat UT Martin 30-7. to Washington State beat Colorado State 38-7. to Cam Ward had four touchdowns in that game. We had LSU taking into Mississippi State 31-16. to Will Rogers struggling this one through an interception. 24 of 42 with 218. Jaden Daniels had one touchdown through the air. Also had one on the ground. He had 93 yards rushing, the former Arizona State quarterback. And speaking of Arizona State, they had uh, themselves had a tough game. They just fired Herm Edwards, the long, the coach for the past couple seasons there. They just lost 30-21 to to Eastern Michigan. Emory Jones, the former Florida quarterback, had 182 yards passing, one touchdown in the game, but only put up seven yards on the ground. Tough lot. You cannot lose to Eastern Michigan. You cannot lose to Eastern Michigan. Especially when you're a Power 5 conference. You can't lose to Eastern Michigan in general, let alone being Arizona State. We saw Hawaii beat DeQuence. I, do, I still don't know how to say that. 24-14, and we had Arizona State. Arizona beat North Coast State 31-20. to Tough game for the Bison. Fullback Lupke, 115 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Dayton Delora, 229 yards and a touchdown through the air as well. Oh, man. College football was fun this week. You and I had a tough game. They played Sacramento State this weekend. Needed a bounce back when they had that tough loss last week against North Dakota where they lost by two points. And then this week, just couldn't get it done against the number seven team in the SCS. 37-21 was the final in the Unidome. They started off a little bit. They started off strong, 7-7 in the first quarter. Then Sacramento State had a very solid second quarter and then pulled away in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, just not a not a great game. Don Williams had 100 yards last week. was held to only 33 yards. Logan Wolf led the team in receiving with 88 I like Logan Wolf, but when Deion McShane and Quan Hampton have a combined, what, quick math, 62 yards receiving, it's not great. It's not great. I'm sorry to Logan Wolf, but 62 yards receiving for those two is not ideal. Sam Schnee had 54 yards on the through the air as well, or through the air, 
receiving. And then Theo Day, 270 yards, two touchdowns, one interception in the game for the UNI Panthers. What did Drake do? What did Drake do in their game? <laughs> what did they do? Yeah, Drake lost to Idaho, 42-14. Damn shame. Damn shame. Thought the Bulldogs would bounce back from their tough loss against, against Missouri S&T, which I didn't even know was a real school until last weekend. Ah, oh, man, the Bulldogs start 0-3 to the season. Not ideal for Drake. And what's the Bulldogs' name again? Spike? Tough tough scenes. Tough scenes for them. Now, let's move over to the NFL. We're still in the process of some of the games going on right now. We've got the Bengals and Cowboys playing right now. Broncos, Texans, Cardinals, Raiders are all playing right now. The Rams and Falcons just ended. Rams won 31-27. 49ers won 27-17. And I want to start off with this game. This one's a little hard to watch because, as you know, we've talked about Trey Lance quite a bit on the Logan Blackman show before he got drafted while he was at North Coast State. We talked about him then. We've talked about him since he's been the starter in the NFL. He started three. This was his third start for the San Francisco 49ers. And everybody these past couple weeks, or past couple weeks, past week, has been absolutely annihilating Trey Lance, saying that he should not be the starter for the 49ers, not taking into account what the, the situation was on the field. Absolute monsoon. No one really is going to have a great game in that. No one really is going to have. I understand he's taking over for a team that just went to the NFC Championship game. I understand that. He's played very little football in the past two and a half years. Very little. But talent-wise, I don't think there's a lot of quarterbacks at his age that are as talented around the league. There's a lot of talent in the NFL. I think right now, we've talked about this receiver with receivers, but I think I could say this about the NFL in general. I don't think we've ever had this widespread amount of talent in the NFL than we do right now. The amount of talent on each team is very nice. Most teams are either comfortable with their quarterback situation or... No, I think all teams are relatively comfortable with their quarterback situation. Relatively. I know there's different situations there. There might be one or two teams that might be looking for a quarterback early, early in the draft next year. Like we're talking about like the Texans being one of those. I like Davis Mills. I like Davis Mills. I don't want it to come off like a diss to Davis Mills, but sometimes that's the case. It's like the Gardner Minshew situation in Jacksonville. Doesn't matter how good he is. If you have a chance to draft C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or if Richardson and Levis play better, you have a chance to draft one of those guys. In the top 10, you have an early enough pick, you're going to take him. Regardless of how good Davis Mills or, in that case, Gardner Minshew did, Trevor Lawrence is available. You won one game. You won one game. Trey Lance, though, is extremely talented, and it sucks. I don't know. Have they announced what his injury technically was? Because he, it looked like he snapped his ankle. It looked like he snapped his ankle. Suffered an ankle injury because I requires surgery that could have him out for the remainder of the season. And I was watching the game. I thought he got hit in the head. Because he ran up the middle. They ran like a little read play. Ran right up the middle. I thought he just got rocked in the head. So I was like, oh, he's a little slow to get up. He'll be fine. He was on the ground for a little bit. But he'll be fine. And then you saw the replay of it. And it looks like he snapped his ankle. Because then when you go, oh, he just hit his head, like, he'll be fine, relatively. He'll be fine, relatively. But he stayed on the ground. And he wasn't holding his head. And then he put an air cast on him. You're like, oh, God. This is not good at all. Like, regardless of what you think about Trey Lance, regardless if you think he's a one of the next great quarterbacks in the NFL, or you think he stinks and they should never have started him or tra- take him with the third overall pick anyways, Maybe that's your mindset. 
Maybe that's your mindset. But we can all agree that this is bad. You don't want to see any player that talented, regardless if you think he's good, he has the talent to be a very, very good quarterback. Very, very good. He has all the talent in the world. I've said it a thousand times at this point. If he reaches his potential, he will be the most talented quarterback out of that 2021 draft class. Easily. Easily. If he can reach it. That's not going to be this year, though. It doesn't look like it's going to be this year. And in one of my leagues that I'm in, league that I've been in for X amount of years, the only quarterback on my roster is Trey Lance. And he got hurt. And I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, my season's, my fantasy season's over. That's not real. I mean, it's sad that I don't have a starting quarterback in fantasy, but it's not really, like, end all be. I just want Trey Lance to come back next year and tear it up. So I think Trey Lance is that. And there'll be a lot less drama going into next season because Jimmy Garoppolo won't be there. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be somewhere else. He's opt- He's got one year left on his contract. This is it. He's got no more years after this year. So Trey Lance will be the guy next year. I just want him to come back fully healthy and be fine because it sucks. It sucks. I don't want anybody to get hurt, especially quarterbacks that I really, really like, like Trey Lance. I don't want to see Josh Allen get hurt. Josh Allen almost broke his ankle against the Chargers a couple years ago. It sucks when you have your quarterback. Like, he almost got hurt and it still sucked. Trey Lance, his season's done. And it wasn't even on, like, a crazy play. It was a one-yard carry. But just got folded backwards. It's unfortunate. The Niners ended up winning the game. But, yeah, it sucks. It sucks. 27-7. That's what I was more expecting with the 49ers this year was a score like that. And there's a lot of throws Jimmy Garoppolo missed in that game. I don't. I still don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is that amazing of a quarterback, but – he can get the job done for the 49ers for this season, but I think the potential of them, I think their their ceiling is higher with Trey Lance in. That could be that could be wrong. That could be wrong. But I think they have a higher ceiling and are a lot definitely a lot more fun to watch if Trey Lance is given, you know, a nice game. Not like last week. That game was miserable to watch. Justin Fields didn't play. No one played great in that game against Chicago last week. But like we said last week, there's a lot of people that go into that game like, oh, the 49ers are not as good as we thought. This is a situation like the Jaguars, or the Bears are better than we thought. Like the the Jaguars, when they won one game with one in fifteen, Gardner Minshew's year there, their first and only win that season was the first game of the year. That was their only win. It was the very first game against the Colts, who ended up being a playoff team that year. They lost to the Bills in the playoffs, Phillip Rivers last year in the NFL, all that stuff. Like, I like the Bears. I love Bears fans, but I don't my opinions about the Bears have not really changed up until this point. If they can beat the Packers tonight. Would you guys will know if they did or not? If they can beat the Packers tonight, then yeah, my opinion will change. If they can beat the Packers. I know the Packers are don't have the receiving talent. that They don't have Devontae Adams. And I get he was one guy, but when you lose someone who's pretty unanimously the number one receiver in the NFL, you could say how much talent they lost on offense because you don't have anybody else in the NFL that's like that. I think you'd think of probably two other guys that I think could be number one in the NFL and receivers in the near future, and that's Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. I think those are the two guys you're talking about as being the next guys up. Or like, Remember those 2K commercials? I'm next. I'm next. Like, that's those two. I think they have the potential to be those types of receivers. Justin Jefferson dominated last week against the Packers. Jamar Chase had himself a very, very good game as well against the, the Steelers last week. And this week, yeah, I mean, for Jamar Chase standards, he's struggling. He only has 54 yards receiving against the Cowboys. But I expect those numbers to go up as the season. I don't expect him to have a lot of games like that, but every receiver is going to have a game like that. He's not going to go for 
200 yards every single week or 150 or 180, however many yards he went for last week, he's not going to do that every week. It's not reasonable to think that he's going to do that every week. But I think he has all the talent in the world to be the best guy in the league. Same with Justin Jefferson. And I've said before, I think Jamar Chase is more talented than uh, – and I, I want to make sure I word that <laughs> – word that uh, – I don't really I, – I don't want to sit here and say, like, Justin Jefferson – like, Jamar Chase is clear. I just think Justin Jefferson, skill-base-wise, is more – I don't want to sound like I'm disrespecting Justin Jefferson because I think Justin Jefferson's insane. I don't know. I don't know. I love both those guys. I love both those guys. I think they're both awesome receivers, and I, I think both those guys could be the number one guys in the league at some point. I don't, I think they both can. But Justin Jefferson, they the Vikings and Justin Jefferson play the Eagles tomorrow, the team that passed on Justin Jefferson and now traded the guy they passed Justin Jefferson for is now on the Vikings as a returner. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. but we got Monday Night Football, Eagles, Vikings, we got the Bills, Titans. The Bills are a 10-point favorite. Eagles are a 2.5-point favorite. Gabe Davis is questionable. 10 points feels like a lot. 10 points feels like a lot. I understand the Titans just lost the Giants. The Bills just routed the Rams <laughs> in Los Angeles. But 10 points just feels like a lot. The Bills have struggled with the Titans a lot in recent years. And it's nice to finally have them at home. In the past however many years, it feels like they've always just played the Titans on the road. Crazy. Craziness. Other games around the NFL that I think are worth talking about. The Jets come back and shock the Browns on Joe Tom. I think they retired Joe Thomas's jersey. I think that's what they did. They were honoring Joe Thomas today. I don't remember what it was for. Or I know what it was for. If they were retiring his number or just honoring him or whatever. But the Jets won 31-30. Joe Flacco, four touchdowns in this game. Great Garrett Wilson, two touchdowns plus the game winner. Love Garrett Wilson. Dude's an absolute baller. Lions beat up on the Commanders. Amon Ross St. Brown, baller. 68 yards on the ground, 116 yards, two touchdowns through the air. And I'm going to sit here and say this. I just, stupidly or not, stupidly or not, I traded Amon Ross St. Brown. And it wasn't because I don't like Amon Ross St. Brown. I love Amon Ross St. Brown. I love him. The problem was Alvin Kamara was out. Alvin Kamara, geez, Alvin Kamara just got put on out for this week. He had rib injury against the Buccaneers. So with him out, my only running backs on my team were Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. And Kenneth Walker just came back. This week, after suffering a, a hernia, then what did he do? That what did he do in this game? The 49ers game disappeared on my screen. Kenneth Walker, rookie for second round pick from Michigan State, had 10 yards rushing in this game, with five yards receiving. So a grand total of 15 yards of total offense day for Kenneth Walker. Brees Hall had a nice game, but I would like to have another option there. I don't know how many, but like 1.5 points or something for Kenneth Walker. So I had no options at wider at running back. And I knew, like my receiver, I'm, I'm not, like, reigning after losing a Monroe St. Brown. Jalen Waddle's still on my team. Michael Thomas on my team. Jamar Chase on my team. I have Tyler Lockett on my bench. I have Elijah Moore. I have Romeo Dubs. I have Devin Duvernay. I have options. Granted, I would have loved to have a Monroe St. Brown on my team. But I was like, I need some running backs. And a Monroe St. Brown is the guy that can get me the biggest drawback. And I knew that he would have a market because when I drafted him, everybody was hyped about Amon Ross St. Brown. Everybody. So I feel like mixed bag about it because I'm happy I finally got running backs. I have options. That's all I needed was just options for the time being anyways. And I have options at wide receiver. So it's not, again, I'm not like struggling out wide. 
but I re- I do kind of regret that I didn't. I tried to get more. I tried to get more, but it it was kind of it was a weird weird market, weird market. But I knew I could get something. I needed something, but it stinks though that it had to happen when he had thirty points today. Uh, he had thirty something fantasy points. Now Jalen Waddle thirty six fantasy points, so I'm doing fine. And speaking of Jalen Waddle, d- dude. The Dolphins-Ravens game was ridiculous. And so the Dolphins-Bills play next week. It's going to be insane. It's going to be an insane game. Dolphins-Bills, noon kickoff. Noon kickoff for that game. I don't know if they'll get flexed or not, but probably not. This game was ridiculous. They were 21 points down going into the fourth quarter, Miami was, and came back to win 42-38. Like, this game was, (laughs) was on crack, as Stephen A. Smith used to say. Like, it was just a crazy, crazy, crazy game. And I watched the end of it because, like I said, I, I, I've tried to, I tried to record the show earlier. And I, I said something about missing the early portions of the games earlier. I don't remember if I said this one, but I missed some of the first, like, the first half of most games today. So, I needed to get back to my apartment. I was with my family. I needed to get back to my I needed to leave my family and get back to my apartment and watch football. You know, the important things in life. And... That was one of the games I wanted to watch because I wanted to see Lamar Jackson go off. And to be fair, Lamar Jackson went off. He had 119 yards rushing, 318 yards passing, four total touchdowns in the game. Pay the man. Pay him. I've said before, I think Lamar Jackson will be the highest paid player in NFL history once he gets paid because that's just how the market works regardless of your feelings about Lamar Jackson. I think he's amazing. There's He does things that no one else in this league can do. He just passed or tied Michael Vick for most 100-yard rushing games by a quarterback in NFL history, which is awesome. I don't know how you can't like Lamar Jackson. I really don't get how you can dislike Lamar. You have to be trying really hard not to like Lamar Jackson. But it just wasn't enough because Jalen Waddell had two touchdowns, 170 yards receiving. Tyreek Hill had 190 with two touchdowns. He's even had 11 catches. Tua threw six touchdowns. A third of Tua's career passing touchdowns came in this game. This is joint Dolphins franchise record for passing yards in a game. Passing touchdowns in the game. I think second in NFL history for passing touchdowns in the game. Bob Greasy holds the record for Dolphins. He threw six, obviously, since I said he tied it. But, like, I texted my dad earlier in the game. Earlier. Like, when the Dolphins were getting smacked. I texted my dad earlier. We were watching the Steelers-Patriots game, which, God, no. I don't want to watch any Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't watch any New England Patriots games all year. I got to watch Patriots twice. I got to watch Steelers once. Other than that, I'm good. Because they both play, the Bills play both those teams this year. Other than that, I don't want to spend any of my time watching those two teams. They are brutal to watch on offense. Brutal. I mean, that's what you kind of expect with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia calling plays on offense. What the hell are you expecting them to do? They're going to look the most ridiculous offense of all time. You got a guy that was compared to Bill Belichick by some... Like Mark Wahlberg literally said, I think you guys got the next Bill Belichick. We're talking about Matt Patricia going to Detroit. He was a defensive mastermind, and now he's calling offensive plays, and Joe Judge is the mastermind of the, what, third and 15 QB sneak play on your own five? I don't remember what the exact yardage was, but, like, two of the dumbest play callers of all time are now co-offensive coordinator for the greatest dynasty in NFL history. This is insane to me. Like, they are borderline miserable to watch. And last week against the Dolphins, that game sucked. 
So when we were watching this Dolphins Ravens game, and when I saw the Steelers Patriots game, I texted my dad. I was like, I do not fear either one of these teams. Dolphins are down by 21 points against the Ravens because Lamar Jackson always has good games against the Ravens or against the Dolphins. And the Patriots are doing whatever the hell they're trying to do against the Steelers. I don't know what you want to call that if you want to call it an offense. But then the Dolphins went insane for a little bit. They went completely insane. And does this change my opinion about me being, quote-unquote, afraid of Miami? No, not really. Not really. They had a good fourth quarter. Other than that, I don't really fear. They scored 28 of their 42 points in the fourth quarter. I understand it was imp- it, it, it was impressive. I don't want to take anything away from Miami. They That was impressive. And having the two fast receivers, the NFL, and the roster together is really smart. I give them 100% credit for that. But I don't necessarily – this could come back to bite me in the ass. I'm open to it. But I don't fear this team. I don't think two. I still don't think Tua is that great. You look at the separation that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waller are creating. It's easy to hit these types of. Th- I'm not saying I could do it. Easy for an NFL level quarterback. I'd like to clarify that because when people go like, "Oh, it's easy to do that," people also follow that up with, "Oh, I could do that." No, it's easy for an NFL quarterback. Every single starting quarterback in the NFL can make the throws to Jalen Waddle and to Tyreek Hill, especially the one that tied the game at 35. That one could have definitely. Any quarterback could have thrown. It just needed to not be overthrown, and it wasn't. It was put on the money, and Tyreek Hill walked in the end zone because the Ravens had a mess-up in the secondary. The corner didn't even move. <laughs> when Tyreek Hill blew his doors off, didn't even move. He thought he had safety help, had nothing. Like th- I saw someone post this, and I thought this was kind of funny. It was uh, Corey Brewer's 51-point game against the Rockets. It was like one of those games. Two and six touchdown game. Corey Brewer explodes for 51 points. That's like this. That's how I'm viewing this anyways. That's how I'm viewing this. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, it's a great, it's a great game. It's a Dolphins joint franchise record. Second most touchdowns in NFL history in a game. Six. It's not, it, I'm not too worried about it moving forward. Again, I am open to having this bite me in the ass. I'm open to it. I'm open to being wrong. I'm open to being laughed at. I'm open to doing whatever. This did not strike fear into my heart. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it didn't. If it did, if it did, if it was supposed to, and it didn't, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> oh man, but the Dolphins, that was a great way by the great game. Awesome game to watch. Loved that game. Uh the Jaguars shit on the Colts 24 nothing. Uh, I'm getting kind of nervous about my 10 win record prediction for the Colts. Kind of ridiculous. They stink. They got they tied the Texans where they should have won, and they just got ass blasted by the Jaguars, a team that they lost to the last week of the regular season last year to kick them out of the playoffs. You'd think there'd be some sort of motivation or remotivation in that. We had the Giants are now 0-2, or 2-0-2, 2-0, 19 to 16 victors over the Panthers. Daniel Jones, baller. 176 yards passing, one touchdown. <laughs> baller. Danny Dyes be slicing them up. Now, McCaffrey had over 100 yards rushing. I see Chris McCaffrey back. Saquon Barkley had 72 yards rushing to follow up his 100 and however many yards he had last week. That's good. You know what? I'm happy to see these two back. I'm happy to see these two back and healthy. I want to see these two are two of the best running backs in the league when healthy. The problem is they haven't been healthy in a little bit now. Both these guys are having nice career uh, renaissance, I guess. Is that the word you'd want to use here? Because it's not like they're old. They've just been battling injuries and shit team. <laughs> but I'm happy to see that they're both doing well. Happy to see they're both doing well. Bucks Saints. Bucks win twenty to ten. Michael Mike Michael 
Mike Evans, I know his name is Michael, but that just felt weird. Michael Evans. Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore both get ejected for punching each other. It's awesome. Love to see that kind of stuff. And what other games? We just said the Broncos beat the Texans 16-9 in Denver at an in-power field at Mile High. So the Broncos are now 1-1 one one after losing the Seahawks last week on a failed 64-yard field goal. <laughs> when Paul Allen said you should just take a knee and attempt a 64-yard field goal, he didn't mean it literally. Maybe he did in that situation when the Vikings lost to the Saints in the playoffs. But not in that situation. When you have, I mean, he had Brett Favre at the time. He had Adrian Peterson. But you just traded a bunch of picks and a bunch of capital and gave this guy a bunch of money. And you kick out, you bring up Brandon McManus, who's never made a field goal over 60 yards. I question it sometimes. I question it. We had the Cowboys just beat up, beat the Bengals. Bengals tried to mount a comeback. They lost 20-17. to 17. And then right now, the Cardinals just ran a rushing touchdown. Kyler Murray just scored a touchdown. They are down 21-23 to to the Raiders with one second left. And I don't know if the Raiders... No, they just lost. The Cardinals just lost. But Kyler Murray gets a rushing touchdown. Helped me a little bit out in the other fantasy leagues as well. James Conner, 25 yards rushing, no touchdowns. But, yeah. Fun week of football. I'm so happy to have football back. It It just makes me so happy to have football back. I love it. I love talking about football. I love it. Even if it's just soccer. Even if it's soccer with the World Cup coming up. Oh, man. I am psyched for the World Cup. And I would just like to say this. Congrats. Nice. Jordan Peefock. Love it. He got a goal today. A beautiful goal for Union Berlin. We're now top of the Bundesliga. And it, I, I've i said this last week. This is what I'm taking it as with Greg Berhalter. With not picking Jordan Siabachu or Jordan Peefock, whatever you want to call him. I'm taking this as it's a battle between Josh Sargent and Ricardo Pepe for that last roster spot. Jesus Ferreira, all things considered, seems to be the starter. He seems to be the guy leading the line for the United States. I think Fox right behind him. I think Fox could have a very strong case on being the starter, especially what's going on this year with Union Berlin. And since Jesus Ferreira's playing the, at FC Dallas in the MLS, though he's having a very, very good season. Pepe just scored for Gron again. We talked about that last game, last, what was it, Friday show or Wednesday show? With him not scoring a goal since October 7th of 2021. He finally scored. It's almost a year later, but he finally scored a goal. Scored for Gronigan. So that's good. Sargent's in form. Pepe's now starting to get into form. You'd hope anyways. But Jordan Peefock cannot miss the World Cup. If he misses the World Cup, I will. I might cry. Not literally, but I, I might think about crying. Because that'd be a crime to have him out of the squad. And we did our we did our World Cup squad last last show or however many shows ago, I don't remember which one it was, Wednesday, Friday's or Wednesday's show, I don't remember. But there's, I, the World Cup's coming up, and I'm excited. Kits, not so much. I'm going to end up buying one anyways because I'm a sucker, I'm a loser, I don't care. I'm going to buy one. No matter how much I don't like it or don't really rate it that highly, I'm going to buy one because I, 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 they've got me roped in. They've got me roped in. But I, Jordan Peefock, love the goal. Love that you're back in the scoring thing. Back, Love that Union Berlin's leading the Bundesliga. I hope that gets you a call up here soon. And yeah, I think that's all I've got for you today. If I forgot anything, please let me know. If you want to be, if you text me like, oh, why didn't you say this? Why didn't you talk about this? I might have forgot about it. I might have forgot it. The Cubs officially got eliminated from the playoffs today. Sad day. But <laughs> officially. Like they were already out of the playoff race, but officially they got eliminated today. Oh man. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed the show. Of course, if you did not enjoy the show, I greatly apologize. We'll try to be better next time. Once again, make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, you're listening to right now, 
Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure you're re- le- following or subscribed on every single form of social media. Leave a rating out of five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a description down below for why you feel the way you do about an individual episode or how you feel about the show in general. I would greatly appreciate it because your feedback is is nice. I enjoy the feedback, regardless if it's good or bad. Now we got Sunday Night Football. we got Bears-Packers. Then we got Monday Night Football. we got the Bills and Titans for predictions. For the uh, the Packers game, I think the Packers will win. They're 10-point favorites over the Bears. I, Aaron Rodgers always does well against the Bears. So I'm going to go with the Packers. I know they lost to the Vikings. This could be wrong. You guys will know the score of that game. You won't know the score for the Bills, Titans, and Vikings-Eagles. I think the Bills beat the Titans. I think the Vikings beat the Eagles. Close one. But I think the Bills beat the Titans, Vikings beat the Eagles. Could be wrong. Open to being wrong. But with that being said, that's all I've got. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, if not, apologize. We'll try again better next time. With that being said, I will see you all later. Hope you enjoyed. Have a good rest of your day and peace.